You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. say we're sorry. We're sorry. We're sorry. We're sorry. As we continue with what we want and we continue to do what we do, we don't change. Why is God so against me? I can't understand why nothing goes right. I can't understand why all this is happening. Well, then look at your life. Maybe God's trying to show you something. Men and brethren, they asked Peter that first day after Pentecost, what must we do? first words out of Peter's mouth was, repent. How many times have you apologized because you didn't want to hurt someone and not because you thought you were in the wrong? Pastor Dave talks to us today about repentance and how God requires it from his followers. Don't get caught in a rut. Don't be unwilling to change. A change of attitude isn't a bad thing. And here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 12 as he continues his message, Transition of Authority. You are You can take it from all the way back when you first got saved, and you can bring it all the way through, and you can look at all the wonderful things that happened in between, and you can point out the Lord here, the Lord there, the Lord here, and you can see how the Lord has been faithful, how the Lord has been consistent and been faithful, and how he's dealt with you. And you need to remember that. You need to remember that the next time you're slammed, the next time you are befallen by either a trial, a temptation, an illness, a sickness, or whatever, even if falling into sin, our God is faithful. He is faithful even when we are faithless. He will continue to be faithful to you. And that's what we need to know. Samuel gives appropriate thanks to the Lord, acknowledging that God was not only fair and just throughout all of Israel's history. He's been a fair God. He's been a just God. Your father Jacob went down to to Egypt, and there your fathers were oppressed. They cried unto the Lord, and God sends Moses and Aaron, and they brought them out of Egypt to this very land, Samuel says. But fathers began to forsake him. Your fathers began to forsake God. And it was only after they had forsaken God that God allowed their enemies now to come in and start beating them up. And even then when you cried out to God, He answered the call. Samuel names some of the judges that God used to deliver and finally come unto himself. Tells them that you faced another crisis and rather than crying out for God for his deliverance, rather than getting on your knees and repenting of your sin, you said, we want a king. Samuel said, in doing so, you're rejecting God from being your king. So you're going to a theocracy. You're going from a theocracy, a place governed by God, to a monarchy governed by an earthly king. When we reject God in our lives, we become king of our lives. We stand on the front of the Titanic and yell, king of the world! It's a great place to be on the deck of the Titanic. Samuel says, this is what you want. Look what God has done. You know, and I'm amazed when we go through trials, how many people forget everything God did. 
How many people forget everything God has done in their lives up until this point? It's almost like where the one in the corner says, okay, what have you done for me lately? We become king of our lives. We take God's rule out, and we become king. Let's look at verses 13 through 21. Now, therefore... Here is the king whom you have chosen and whom you have desired. And take note, the Lord has set a king over you. If you fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and do not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then both you and the king who reigns over you will continue following the Lord your God. However... If you do not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers. Now, therefore, stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before you today. Is today not the wheat harvest? I will call to the Lord and he will send thunder and rain that you may perceive and see that your wickedness is great which you have done in the sight of the Lord in asking for a king for yourselves. So Samuel called to the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. I guess so. And all the people said to Samuel, Pray for the servant of the Lord your God, that we may not die. For we have added to our sins the evil of asking for a king for ourselves. Then Samuel said to the people, Do not fear. You have done all this wickedness, yet Do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside, for then you would go after empty things which cannot profit or deliver, for they are nothing. Wow. Samuel cuts them right to the heart. He cuts them right to the heart. He says, look at this evil thing you've done asking for a king. How wicked is that? Now, God's going to show you a wonder here. And I'm going to ask God to send some thunder and some rain for your wheat harvest. And there in the sight of the people, God did exactly that. He sent thunder and rain. And as the thunder begins to clap around them and the rain begins to fall, all of a sudden they go, oh, we've sinned. (laughs) Oh, my. Look what's happening here. We've done wickedly. Please pray to us that God doesn't destroy us. And just like us, we reject God until we see his power in our lives. And all of a sudden, we immediately come running back to him. We immediately want to run back. Problem is, this is not true repentance. True repentance means change. Repent means change. It simply means change. True repentance would have said, let's get rid of the king and go back to serving God. That's what true repentance would have looked like. We'll let God serve over us and reign over us. We'll serve only God. This would have been true repentance. But theirs was, oh, we're sorry but we still want a king. Oh, we're kind of sorry, but, you know, he did lead us to a great victory. Like guys, we too, you know, we say we're sorry. We say we're sorry. We're sorry, we're sorry, we're sorry, as we continue with what we want and we continue to do what we do. We don't change. Why is God so against me? I can't understand why nothing goes right. I can't understand why all this is happening. Well, then look at your life. Maybe God's trying to show you something. Men and brethren, they asked Peter that first day after Pentecost, what must we do? First words out of Peter's mouth was repent. Change the way you are. I'm helpless to change right and get close to the Lord. Submit to his lordship. Submit to his leadership. Submit to his authority. Allow the Holy Spirit access to your life and follow the lead. Change your life. 
If your arm causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. That's not real. It means whatever's causing you to sin, get rid of it. Jettison it from around you so that you're not tempted to do it anymore. Get rid of it. Change your behavior. Change. Saying sorry is great. If it's true repentance, if it's heartfelt sorrow, if it's godly sorrow, which leads to repentance. But so many times we say we're sorry because we got caught. We say we're sorry because, you know, I say I'm sorry, he'll let me get out of this. And this is what's happening here. We see it so many times with Israel. Oh, we're sorry. Get us out of this mess. Help us. We'll come back to you. Yeah, 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 we will. We'll come back honest. Yeah, we will. And then God gets them out of this mess. And the next thing you know, they're all following the Baals and the asterisks, and they're doing all kinds of things. There's a huge difference between sorrow and repentance. The Lord requires repentance from our sin, not just sorrow. He requires repentance from our sin. He wants us to repent from it, from change our lifestyle. You're a new creation. How many times do you read through the scriptures? They studied it so wonderfully in Colossians at Freedom Through Christ. Put off the old man. Put on the new man. Put on Christ. Put on. Put off. That's an action. Those are action verbs. Put off the old man. Get away. But put on the new man, which is Jesus Christ. There's action there. You're doing something. You can't passively lay around and go, well, I'm going to change and not do anything about it. It takes an action on your part, and the Lord will give you strength. The Lord has never, ever called someone to do something without giving them the strength and the power to do it, ever. You go through the entire Bible. Go through the entire Bible, and you find a place where the Lord has called someone to do something and then just left them standing out there going, well, you're on your own, pal. Let me know how it works out. He always gives you the strength. That's what the Holy Spirit is for in our lives. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is our strength source. It's our motor source. It's our engine. It gives us the power, the dunamis power, to do these things, to be witnesses for Christ. When you reject the Holy Spirit, when you grieve the Holy Spirit or quench the Holy Spirit, you're not going to have the power source. It's like taking the filter, the um, oil line or the gas line in your car and putting a kink in it. The car's not going to go if the gas doesn't get to the carburetor. If you put a kink in the Holy Spirit and don't let him into your life, you're not going to go and you're going to fall. You can't move forward. God requires repentance. He wants heartfelt, true repentance, not just mouthing. He wants true repentance. The people said, pray that we will not die. Samuel said, you're not going to die, but make sure you don't stop serving the Lord. For if you do and you start serving other gods and vain things, you won't profit or be delivered. It's almost like Samuel was prophesizing here. Samuel was prophesying here because you know what happens. You've read the book. You go all the way through to 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles. You go all the way through, and the next thing you know, they're being carried off to Babylon. They're being hauled off to Babylon because every time you read, this king did evil in the sight of the Lord. This king did evil in the sight of the Lord. That king. Then all of a sudden, the king comes in and tears down the high places, and then he does evil in the sight of the Lord over and over and over again. But look how faithful God is. Because there's coming a time very, very soon when God will put everything else aside and say, okay, Israel, you and me. It's called the Great Tribulation. It's a time of great woe. It's a time of great horror. 
but he's going to deal with the nation Israel because we'll be out of here. The church will be gone. He's going to deal with Israel. Samuel's prophesying. He says all this and he declares this because he knows the nature of man. God knows that we have to serve somebody. If you're not serving God, you're going to be serving some other vain thing. And, and many of us have tried to serve other things. Many of us have tried to serve other things. You know, we've all been there. We all have the scars and the bruises and the ripped T-shirts to prove it. We've all been there. We've tried to serve other things other than God, and it doesn't work. It doesn't work. We're going to serve something. We look around the world today, and we see these vain things that men are worshiping. These vain things that people, I was a, man, I was a worshiper like that, man. I tell you what. You put me in front of a, 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 in a NASCAR stadium, whoo, man, I was a NASCAR worshiper. Man, I love those cars going around in circle. Step on the gas and turn left. I loved it. Man, I like that kind of stuff. That was crazy. Of course, the entire time I was doing it, I was popping pills and smoking dope and doing all kinds of other crazy things. I think I was there more for the party than I was for the race. We were serving. That's, that was my God. That's what I served. That's what I choose to serve. Everybody's going to serve something. You're going to worship something. You know the scripture, you can't serve God and mammon. You can't have two masters. They're mutually exclusive. If you forsake the Lord, you will serve something else. Something will come in its place, and you will serve that something. Not a very good thing. You won't be able to profit. Look at verse 22. For the Lord will not forsake his people, for his great namesake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. Wow. If you just serve him, he will not forsake you. Oh, my. What grace. What grace our God has. You talk about abounding grace. God is not going to turn you aside. He's telling Israel, God's not going to turn you aside. He'll never forsake you. We're told, Jesus said, I will never leave nor forsake you. So many of us find it so hard to trust in the Lord and serve him. And I want you to think hard on this, folks. And I challenge you to name a time when he's failed. He hasn't. Now, he may have failed according to your standards, your expectations. Believe me, no one can live up to my expectations. God can live above my expectations because he can do abundantly, exceedingly above all that I could ever think, dream, or ask. And he said, he'll never leave me. He'll never leave me. Verse 23 says, moreover, as for me, Samuel says, far be it for me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. Oh, my gosh. Samuel says something that is extremely Interesting to me. They said, when they realized their wickedness, pray for us. In response, Samuel says, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. Hmm. Does that mean when we don't pray for others, it's a sin? Guilty. Oh, my. Wow. Not praying is sinning against the Lord. God forbid that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. Oh, my. Now, if God has commanded us to pray for one another, then our failure to pray for one another is disobedient because it's a command of God. And disobedience to God's command is sin. It's simple. 
The Lord has told us to pray for one another. Therefore, we are all, all of us, supposed to pray for each other. We're required to that. And God forbid if we don't pray for each other. That's why we have prayer on Sunday night, so that we can pray one for another. That's why we have phone calls. Hey, pray for me. Texting. I'm in a jam. Pray for me. That, that's important. And I'll tell you what. You get a text that says, I'm in a jam, and you write back, I'll pray for you. We need to take that to heart, and we need to pray it right then. Because if you don't pray right then, I can guarantee you'll forget. And I love it. You know, we, you know, and I told you this before, you know, there's a brother or a sister who's hurting, and I'll pray for your brother or sister. And then you're doing something, and all of a sudden they walk in, and you remember that you didn't pray for them. You go, Lord, help that brother. Brother, I prayed for you. <laughs> That's not what the Lord's talking about. Oh, that we would realize the awful sin of prayerlessness in our lives. Not to pray, not to spend time with the Lord is actually sinning against him. Ow. Samuel says, I'm going to pray. But he would not only pray, Samuel says, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to be your teacher. And I'm going to faithfully fulfill this role as a teacher to show you these things. I will teach you the good and the right way. I love that. Samuel was going to teach them the word of God. Samuel is going to teach them the good, which is God, in the right way. Samuel is going to talk about that. So is it better to preach or pray? One commentator said this, quote, whether a minister shall do more good to others by his prayers or preaching, I will not determine, says one, but he shall certainly, by his prayers, reap more comfort to himself. Interesting. Samuel wants the people of Israel to know that even as he is stepping back, and even as he's allowing Saul to emerge as the leader, He's going to not forsake Israel either. He's going to be there for Israel just like he was before. He's going to pray for them, and he's going to be a teacher. He's going to show them things. Saul now is going to take more reins of leadership. Saul now is going to enter into this time when he becomes king and fully takes over the nation. And in verse 24 through 25, says, Only Samuel's still talking, only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. Wow. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It means wisdom starts with fearing the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the sum of all knowledge. All knowledge is wrapped up in fearing the Lord, a genuine, awesome respect for him. It's a reverent time. It's not a quaking and shaking fear. It's, it's a reverent fear. It's knowing him more and more. Why? Because you want you to consider all the great things he's done. We should have a contest where we sit down and write all the great things the Lord has done and remember them. I love the journal. I love the journal, and I got boxes and boxes and boxes of all these times when I journaled and wrote things, and there's prayers and there's studies and all kinds of writings and stuff like that. And every now and then, I just like to sit down and I grab a couple of things and I go through, and I remember those times, and I, I see answered prayer, and, and, and it's, it's incredible when I go back and look. It's so much fun to go back and look at those things. It's really neat. What great things God has done for us. He's allowed us to have people in our lives like, Jim, like Pastor Frank, like Tim. He's allowed us to fellowship with these saints, these wonderful, great people. 
He's allowed us to fellowship one to another and get to know each other and pray for each other and really care for each other. I see some bonds forming in this church that are incredibly great bonds. They're bonds of love, and they wouldn't be possible without Christ. They would not be possible without Jesus Christ because if you take Jesus away, the majority of us wouldn't even know each other. But because of that commonality we have, that bond we have in Christ Jesus, we now can fellowship with each other. In fact, we can take one step further and we call each other brothers and sisters. We're closer in that bond than we may even be to our natural-born blood brothers and sisters. But we are also blood brothers and sisters by the blood of Jesus Christ. We're connected by that blood. All that God has done for it, all of our service, all of our obedience, all of the love that God has for us should be put in that very context, fearing him for all the things that he has done. He won't be ever faithless. He will always be faithless. We can always count on him. Though man will fail you, God will never fail you. We don't serve God as to persuade him to do these great things. He just does these things because most of them have been done. When did you see Jesus on a cross? Because he died thousands of years ago. But while we were yet sinners, Christ went to the cross from us to demonstrate how much God loved us. What a beautiful thing there. God loved us before the foundations of the world. He had this vast love for you. He told Jeremiah, I will love you with an everlasting love, a love that will never fade away, that will never die, that will always be pure and perfect. That's God's love for us. No, we serve him because of the great things he's done, the great things he's doing for us, and yes, the great things that he will yet do in our lives. We can only keep perspective in our Christian lives if we keep focused on the great things that he has done for us. If you start getting your focus off of him and start putting your focus on circumstances, start putting your focus on self, if you start to become king of the world, riding on the Titanic, I got news for you, folks. Every time I watch that stupid movie, that boat sinks. (laughs) Or does it not? So if you want to be king of the world riding on the Titanic, you go ahead and do that. But I'm going to give you a rule. Hey, the boat sinks. You get the picture. If we lose the perspective, everything becomes distorted. Everything becomes distorted. And the whole world seems perfect to us when we know the world is so far less than perfect. When we do this, our problems become greater than our God. And we know that not to be true. If we do wickedly, he says, you'll be swept away. This is a warning that became a sad legacy for Israel because as I told you several times, Israel did wickedness. They continued in wickedness, and even though God didn't forsake them, God loved them, they continued to do wickedly and wickedly and wickedly, and finally God sent Nebuchadnezzar in there, and he took them away to Babylon, and away they went. They destroyed Jerusalem. They were conquered, and they were led into captivity. And even then, God didn't forsake them. Even then, they were still his people. They're still the apple of his eye. They're still the apple of his eye. Even today, they are the apple of his eye, his beloved Israel. Serve him with truth in your heart. I love that. Serve him with truth in your heart because God knows when your service is false. He knows when your service is false or when you're serving him from a true heart. He knows that. Serve him with a true heart. You are sure. We're so glad you joined Pastor Dave Shank today for A Sure Hope. This study in 1 Samuel has been taking you further into God's process of fulfilling promises. 
and it may not look like you'd always want it to. God gave a promise to David when he was young and unequipped to handle the magnitude of what was to come. God still gave him a glimpse to the future though, and we walked with David to help him grow and learn. God's plan included trials along with victories, but he was faithful to David throughout. Right now in our country, we are facing a trial never before experienced. Don't fear, God is as faithful to you now as he was to David. He will bring you through, and you can lean on Him for strength and comfort in the waiting. We'd encourage you to read ahead in 1 Samuel and discover for yourself how God works life out, and let Him encourage you through it. How can we be praying for you during this 1 Samuel study and during this unusual time in history? Please give us a call and let us know at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609-884-5821. We are pleased to be able to bring you teachings from God's Word on each edition of Assure Hope. If you'd like to hear more from this series in the book of 1 Samuel, visit assurehoperadio.com. There are several teachings on various books of the Bible available online for download, and we encourage you to share them with friends and family. That's all we have time for. Thanks for tuning in to Assure Hope.